your values and your beliefs drive every decision that you make. Mm. Okay. So if you're not clear on what your values are, then you're going to be influenced mostly by people or things that aren't in alignment with you, right? So you can get clear on that and have non-negotiables and stick to your alignment. That's where your power is. Mm. That's when you're in spirit, when you're yes. inspired from within, right? Yes. And then if you look at the beliefs and the habits, we had values and beliefs drive every decision you make, mm. then your beliefs and your habits shape your identity. Hey, it's Emily here. You know that uniqueness you have? I call it the it factor. We all have it, but some of us either really need to identify it or start to empower it. This show is all about giving you the lessons, tools, and principles I've learned after building a nine-figure sales organization, training leaders around the globe, and working alongside of some of the most influential people in this world. So now it's time to de-plug from your outside world and plug into your new world here. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. I am here with legendary entrepreneur, Joel Brown. You may have seen or heard of addictedtosuccess.com, his videos, what he's produced, his podcast. They have been around the globe, 370 million downloads. This is a man on a mission. He is really showing up big in the world today with his faith. I'm so excited. He is here all the way from Bali. Welcome to the show. Thanks a million for having me. I'm happy we were able to catch up here in, in beautiful LA and uh, I'm a long way from home, but yeah. uh, it kind of feels like a second home here. As well. Does it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. Ugh. Well, tell us all about you, your life. How did you get started in this business? I mean, here's the thing. I was doing some research on you and obviously I've known you. I've been blessed to get your content for years. You've been an innovator. You've gone first. But I was looking back on your website. I mean, he runs with Tony Robbins, Jack Canfield, some of the greatest in, in the profession. Where did it all begin for you? Ooh, all right, I'll do my best to keep it in a nutshell because yeah. <laughs> there's a lot there. Uh, 14 years ago, I was working for a sales company in Perth, Western Australia, which is where I'm from. And... I was sitting in a room, it was a, a sales training room, and the CEO of the company had flown out this trainer to train us, to teach us how to uh, increase our sales, right? And I was sitting in this room, this guy comes running in, he had this nice white button-up shirt, he had the shiny leather shoes, and he had this Rolex watch, stands at the front of the room, and he says, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jordan Belfort, I'm the Wolf of Wall Street, and I'm here to teach you how to become a force to be reckoned with. And... You know, I had read a lot of self-development books like your Tony Robbins books, listened yeah. to Les Brown audios and Jack Canfield and all of the guys. And to actually see somebody that was living that life as a speaker, as a trainer, as a coach, I just really saw so much inspiration in that. Mm. And that day he challenged everyone in the room to cast a 10-year vision for success. And at the time, if you could just imagine, I had my manager in the room with me who Almost had this like this idea that I would carry the torch in the company for this sales company. Right. And he had his arm around me, you know, like looking out from the ivory tower in Perth, Western Australia, like, you know, you can have all this. Yeah. You know, you can have the Aston Martin and you can hang with the boys on the weekend and all that. 
And then I'm there reading out, commanding my vision to the room, telling everybody, basically, I'm going to leave this dead end job. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm going to go and create this <laughs> HubSpot online with the number one personal development website. So I, I commanded it. And uh, the CEO was at the back of the room with my manager, like, what the, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, what's this kid going on about, you know, at 22 years old. And that day, there was just so much conviction. But one of the things for sure was, as much as I liked the idea of it, and as much as it sounded like it could be a great life, there was an aspect of me that felt dark, that felt like I was still holding on to the past of who I was. Yeah. And Jordan said something so profound. He said, you are not your past. You are the lessons and the resources that you've gleaned from it. Mm. And I realized that day that no one was going to write any permission slips for me. I had to get out there and write my own damn permission slips. Right. And I wrote it down. I literally wrote it down. I yeah. now give you permission to step forward, regardless of what has happened. You get to create something even greater today. Wow. You know, so I took that with me and uh, yeah, and the rest is, is history. Oh my gosh. How many years ago was this? Uh, almost 14 years. Almost yeah. 14 years. Uh, so you professed it. Yeah. And you spoke it out. Not even a claimant. Yes. <laughs> Said it and get it. So yeah. what was it like after that? Like, did you just go build a website and get to work or did you do it simultaneously while you were at the job? Yeah. Well, you know, I went home and uh, I did the research, you know, because I had the ideas, but it wasn't tangible enough. You know, you can, yeah. you can be inspired by what you see and it feels good, mm -hmm. but I wanted to know the truth of it. Like realistically, what am I looking at here? Right. And, uh, I started by jumping into watching interviews and listening to people that have been able to build really big websites at that time. There was a guy called Pete Cashmore. He built a website called mashable.com. Okay. Yeah. It's a big tech website. He was young as well. He, he kicked everything off from this like little town in Scotland and he ended up building this I think it was like a hundred million dollar business, you know, with his, his website. So I found inspiration in that. Uh, there's a guy called, uh, Michael Arrington who sold TechCrunch for hundreds of millions of dollars. Wow. You know, so I just started studying people. Yeah. You know, Tony Robbins talks yeah. about this a lot, you know, going and finding your, your role models and modeling after them. Right. So I think one of the things that worked well for me was I never pedestaled in the sense that I thought, oh, you know, th there's some mythical, mystical thing that they can do that I can't. Mm -hmm. I just nitpicked and went like, what's that thing that they did that they tried out? What was the thing that worked for them? What didn't they do so I can avoid that? Yes. And I just kept applying and applying and paying for mentors. And I just didn't give up, you know, a relentless pursuit for success, mm -hmm. addicted to success. <laughs> yeah. So how did that come about? Like, how did you even think of that? How did it begin? Because I mean, there's so I, I, many people that are watching this as yeah. our economy changes yeah. and they have something in their soul, but they're scared. They don't, they don't know how to put the pieces together. I love that you're so resourceful, but tell me how this all started. I mean, look, I could say that it was this like channeling moment or whatever it is. Yeah. It just like hit me like lightning strike. But the truth was I couldn't register the domain names that I wanted. <laughs> so I was like the playing around yeah. and like wedging things together and hybriding ideas and things together. And it came up with that because that's how it felt. And, and I didn't look at it like a website. I looked at it like a movement. And I think that's key. You know, a lot of people, what they do is they think about, the name of their platform, but they don't think about what's the movement or the community that comes with that. Right. Because that's like the glue that brings it together Absolutely. and keeps it there in this stickiness yeah. so that people can go even deeper and, and, and become more powerful in the process. So I, you know, I've been able to 
apply this to everything that I've created with my coaching and my certification programs with documentary films we've put together. And I've just focused so much on movement and community and we can't do it by ourselves. The truth is that we are created, designed by God to be able to come together in community. That's beautiful. How did you learn that? The community aspect of it. I think I, I, I mean, I learned it cause I wanted it. You know, yeah. I, I felt like a lone wolf. I felt like an alien, you know, just trying to yeah. navigate the world with my passion for personal development. I didn't know anybody else that did it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was yeah. this like guy in Perth, Western Australia. In Australia, we, we have this thing, it's called tall poppy syndrome. Yes. You know, you probably heard of it, yeah. right? It's like, oh, if somebody gets too big, you got to chop them down a little bit, like mm-hmm. stay in the comfort zone. And, uh, I actually, when I started making enough money through advertising on my website, I got my cash together. I started paying for mentors and flying out to places like America and Canada and, you know, wherever there are entrepreneurs and events going on, you've got to get close to the heartbeat of wherever it is. You can't stay in the comfort zone and expect Mm -hmm. that your identity is going to change because your comfort zone is your current identity. Your current identity is your comfort zone, you know, so you can have the vision, but your identity needs to change in order for you to be able to actually embody that and receive it in your life. So how do you change your identity? Well, look at it like this. This is actually really good that you ask this. Your values and your beliefs drive every decision that you make. Mm. Okay. So if you're not clear on what your values are, then you're going to be influenced mostly by people or things that aren't in alignment with you, right? So you can get clear on that and have non-negotiables and stick to your alignment. That's where your power is. Mm. That's when you're in spirit, when you're inspired from within, right? Yes. And then if you look at the beliefs and the habits, we had values and beliefs drive drive every decision you make, Mm. then your beliefs and your habits shape your identity, Mm. right? So, you know, if I want to be big and muscly in the gym, I could believe it all I want and believe that I can be that. But if I'm not actually showing up with the energy bolts of action right. each and every day with that consistency yes. of going to the gym and, and essentially applying the law of, of resistance and the law of growth, then I'm not going to have much to show for it. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, a lot of people miss that. They're like, I believe this, but they don't have the habits or the right. other way around. I'm doing all the habits but I haven't built an up enough belief to go bigger in order for the, the growth to take place. Yeah. It's got to go hand in hand. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So during this growth, I mean, obviously, gosh, I mean, 370 million downloads. I mean, I remember knowing addicted to success before even knowing you. And then it's like, you were just popping up everywhere be honest with me. Like, what did that do to your ego? What have you <laughs> learned through it? Yeah. 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 That's a good, good question. Um, my ego has been punched in the face many times over. (laughs) Yeah. I I would say that there's a difference between ambition and purpose. Mm. I'm a big believer that there is a big difference. And a lot of people don't know this. They think it's all one thing, but it's not right. Ambition is kind of like what most people do. I know I did it. I'm kind of speaking for myself, but when I get into conversation, I find a lot of people do this. It's going out drinking on the weekend. Maybe it's taking drugs. Maybe it's, you know, doing some like wild things to realize later on in life. Yeah. It's not really serving me. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm not denying anybody of having a, a human experience. Uh, I wouldn't suggest it now to say, yeah, go out and do that. 
But for me personally, I went through that to realize it's not what I wanted for my life. It doesn't match the vision that I desire to create or even the identity that I wish to, to take form. So purpose, I truly believe, is, is what you get when you empty yourself of ambition. Mm. Right? Ambition, is, is, it tends to, and if you have a look, even addicted to success, think about that, right? It, it has a forceful nature behind even that word there. Yeah. And I've grown, I've matured from that. Uh, I don't, I don't sit and like regret about it. I think it's amazing. Yeah. And the company is doing its thing. And there are yeah. people that are at that stage right now that are super ambitious that are like, I'm addicted to success. And that's great. And that's their value set. But what I challenge people to do is to go even higher level. Mm. This is where we're co-creating with God, mm. right? Cause I believe that we were originally designed for either a mission or many missions in this life. Yeah. And you don't really see that until you humble yourself enough to be able to then receive what God is really encouraging, inspiring you to do. And, and he's not forcing it into your life. He's waiting for you to come to that place. And he's already like there. He's like, come over here, mm. you know, come over here. Yeah. Like I'm knocking on the door. You know, all you need to do is open it up. Let me in. Let's co-create together. Let's do this vision together. And this vision is going to be bigger than anything that you can even imagine which is where my life started to take that turn yeah. you know, and, and everything just accelerated. And it's funny because we're so used to measuring the external when we think ambition mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. But purpose is different. It's internal. Yeah. There's this fulfilling thing. It's, it, it, there's just so much more you receive from it. And when you know that you're actually connected to something greater than yourself, it, it supersedes ambition. Yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful. You are getting me so excited right now because I completely relate to everything you're yep. saying. And it's just a different essence. It's because it's coming yeah. from a different place. Absolutely. What was yeah. that moment for you? Like, did you have a rock bottom moment? Like, I, I'm so curious because I feel like, you know, when you watch a human evolve and when you watch someone just be completely authentic, it's like heaven in motion. Yeah. And I feel like I've seen that with you. I, I remember it, Joel, on Instagram, you posted something about your faith and you're a believer. And it was just like, oh, like I just, it just was made me so happy. I mean, I get teary thinking about it and I just watched this evolution. Was there a moment where it was just like, I got to evolve. I got to change. I'm going to turn my life to God. Yeah, it was, uh, it was in Tulum, Mexico, seven years ago. I had an encounter with Jesus. And at the time, I personally was running in so many different circles. You know, I was into the Kabbalah, the uh, Egyptian mysticism, uh, a lot of the Eastern practices. I was doing transcendental meditation. Uh, you know, and when we look at some of these practices, lifestyle-wise, there's some great suggestions, right, right. To, in, in the way we can yeah. live our life. Uh, but personally, I felt this this emptiness. You know, I felt like no matter how much I did this, there wasn't this cohesiveness to it. I wanted to know what's the narrative of this? Where are we going with it? Right. And I think, uh, some people, not all, it depends if you're ready to sign up for this is that you reach this point where you really question your existence. It's like, who am I? Yeah. Why am I here? Yeah. What am I doing with my life? What am I meant to do with my life? Where do I go next? You know, what's my destiny? And I started to have these really profound challenging thoughts of, is this it? Or am I just doing it because this is like the template that society or the industry keeps saying you just go down. Right. And I actually had somebody handing me in my ear, like, 
you gotta write your book, you gotta write your book, you gotta write your book. And everyone, all my peers in the space were all writing their book. And I was like, I don't feel inspired to write my book. And I started noticing myself wanting to pull back in a way from the game that was being played. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I don't judge that if people are ready to write their book, awesome, yeah, go for course. it, right? Uh, but for me, there's something in my soul and spirit. It was like, there's more to this. You've got more to experience here. And this is going to be radically different. And so I, uh, there was a the Christian girl that was out in the water when I was at the beach and she just asked, started asking me, she's like, do you know Jesus? And I was like, yeah, you know, I grew up Christian when I was a kid, but I like, I, I used to think that Christians are really uncool, yeah. like boring Same. and nerdy and geeky yeah. and like, ah, oh, you know, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. And uh, I was like, look, you know, I know, you know, know him through, you know, scriptures and, and, and that, but I'm like, yeah, you know, it's religion. And she's like, yeah, no, I don't mean religion. I mean relationship. I was like, what do you mean relationship? So she started breaking it down, the difference. And she said, just go back to the original teachings of Christ and have a look at what he is saying. And if you believe in relationship, it means to actually spend that time with him. And I remember feeling these really profound moments, not knowing that that's what it was, where I would write out my vision and then I would almost like consult with God. It was like, if I started really getting challenged with it, I would end up spiritually connecting and bringing out to God and saying, Hey, like, is this where I'm meant to go? But I never like labeled it. It was just like, Hey, you know, is this what I'm meant to do? Yeah. And I realized all along when I turned around and connected the dots, I realized how many skill sets and things that I acquired over time and people that I met that would allow me to then step into a bigger calling with God to be able to expand the kingdom with him. Mm. You know, like none of it went to waste. Right. It was almost like preparation Absolutely. as you go through the hazing to get to that point. Yeah. And, and then I just started to notice myself feeling like all the self-development became way easier. Like it was easy. It was like elementary. And then I wanted the challenge of being pulled apart. And you know what Christ says is like deny yourself and carry the cross. It's yeah. literally the complete opposite of everything in personal development. Right. Personal development says like me, 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 self, mm-hmm. self, self. Which obviously you got to have self respect. Yeah. You got to you know make sure you fill your own cup. But it was one of the greatest challenges. You know, it's it's, it's humbling and it never stops. You know, for me, I'm constantly being humbled in the process. Absolutely, that's so beautiful. Yeah. I, and I I talk to so many believers and they have this conflict between. Yeah. Personal development does talk all about self and Mm. cut people out of your life if they suck. And, you know, (laughs) it's just so cutthroat. And I similarly struggled because I'm a believer and I'm like, no, we're called to love and serve. Yeah. And, you know, I would always go back. So I'd read books and I take what I feel and I leave what I don't. And I recommend that to all of our viewers as well, because they constantly ask me about this. But at the end of the day, I strive to be more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. And he loved the prostitute. He loved everyone the same. And I believe like the Bible is the best leadership book on the planet. Um, So how did you evolve and change as you're learning and growing? And what did that look like? Because there's people watching this right now. Like they, they want more. And maybe they don't specifically know what more means. Yeah. You know, like what did you do day by day? Did you change, you know, did you get a mentor that's more, you know, God focused? What did that look like? Yeah. You know, I, I believe that we become who or what we worship. 
right? And so, you know, a lot of people will read a, like a Tony Robbins book and they'll read a, you know, Marianne Williamson book and say, you know, these people are great. And, you know, there's some great things they do, of course. They're also human like you and I, mm -hmm. right? And I thought to myself, you've got somebody like Christ, this poor little carpenter boy, right, from this town called Nazareth, which would be like, think of like the worst area in whatever your neighborhood right. is. And it's like, who the hell would come from that Compton place? Like, what are you yeah, doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then you've got, you know, him that, that steps into his mission at 30 years old. And for three and a half years, he goes in and recruits some of the most unlikely people, you know, tax collectors, prostitutes, fishermen, and then, you know, dies, resurrects, spreads the gospel. Basically, he says, my purpose is to spread the good news of the kingdom of God. So the question is, what's the kingdom? What's that about, right? Like no one's ever brought anything like this, right? It's a new way of living, a new way of seeing, a new way of, of being. And, and then he, he ascends and says, I'll return, right? So we're looking at this and go, that was 2000 years ago. And if you look at like, let's say people that would say they, they are Christian, right? Mm -hmm. At least 2 billion people on this planet would say if they were to fill out a form as a Christian, maybe they're not like committed right. to it in right. that way, but like Dwayne, the rock Johnson, Will Smith, yeah. you know, Oprah, they don't have as many followers as Christ. Right. This was 2000 years ago. Yeah. Over 2 billion people in this world still worship it. So there's something there, you know, it's For not sure. just a novelty or a fad. There's something to it. Yeah. And the fact that you have the disciples who were the followers of Christ, which they never even were called Christians. Mm. The Romans called them little Christs. Uh, they were referred to the followers of the way. Jesus just taught the way. That's it, right? The way out of this dark fallen matrix, this fallen kingdom to be able to have a proxy and a way out, right? Nobody else offered that ever. And so we look at this and we see these, these disciples that were like chicken scared when Christ was being crucified, right. ran off, you know, John, the beloved John was there by his, his feet and Mary Magdalene and Mary, his mother, but everybody else ran away. But something insane happened when he resurrected, resurrected. And you see there's over um, 500 witnesses, right? Those chicken scared believers, disciples went out into the world and spread the gospel mm -hmm. and 11 of them were assassinated for their beliefs. Like you don't just do that. You don't go from chicken to willing to die for your beliefs unless you've seen something or even touched something that's Amen. real. Yeah. You know, so I, I just got more and more convicted in this. I challenged the living hell out of it. I'm telling you, like I was like, yeah. I was the most annoying person to my like friends that were a Christian. And I'd go to pastors and ministers and I would just hammer and some of them had really bad answers. Yeah. I got asked some questions. They go, oh, I don't know. It just, you know, it says that in the Bible. And I'm like, that's not good enough. Right. right? You're analytical. You need to know, you know, there's that book, how, Enough Belief to Be an Atheist or some, what's it called? I don't have enough belief to be an atheist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you read that one? I haven't, but I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's Frank Turek or somebody, yeah. somebody that referred that book. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's something deeper here that's going on, you know, like personal development, it, cool, that, that, that's the skill development, that's the, you know, inward looking, that's the, how can I improve my life, you know, yeah. how my habits, and, you know, some people are totally okay to be there, you know, they can just stay there for the rest of their life, and that's where they're at. I just had somebody in my soul that just wanted to, mm -hmm. to get that spiritual thirst quenched. I yeah. wanted more, yeah. you know, I yeah. wanted to, to transcend uh, what everyone else was absorbing their time in uh, that was around me. And I wanted to look for something deeper because at some point we're going to be confronted with this, whether we like it or not. Yeah. You know, if you're on your deathbed, even, even someone who claims they're an atheist, yeah, they had a gun to their head. They're going to be praying to somebody or something. Yeah. Right. 
So yeah, it's just, it's way more fulfilling. I tell you, um, and you don't have to discount the personal development. You can add it on top, totally. you know, and then you will see over time what becomes more important and not, you know, Mm -hmm. like personal development becomes more autopilot for me. Yeah. And check in now and then, whereas the growth with God is the greatest mission to step into. Yeah. Yeah. And it's unlimited. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. People always ask me, like, how are you so confident? Yeah, all this. I'm like, I'm telling you right now, my secret sauce is my relationship with God. Yeah. I mean, like, I over and over again. I'm like, because I get to die to myself every day, you know? It's just this whole thing. Yeah. So now with this mission, because it's seven years ago, now you're building Ah Bliss. What expand upon that? What is that? Yeah. So me and my team are building out a platform right now. Uh, we're almost finished with it. It's a, a faith-based uh, personal development platform. I have created it in a way where it has the structures of God's original design. You know, I believe that God truly created us for a bigger potential than what the world is telling us to be in. Mm-hmm. You know, like I want you to imagine, you know, look at the Garden of Eden. And you've got this template for how the world is. And God's going, here's a template, you know, and here's what we have when it comes to marriage. Here's what we have when it comes to co-creating together. Here's what we have when it comes to co-creating with me. And then we have this, this, uh, what we call, you know, sin, which when I studied theology, we found that sin is actually the violation of purpose, right? And I know that religion tends to shame and judge people like, oh, you're sinning, you're sinning, you know? So there's a very heavy negative connotation. Mm -hmm. But if we take out religion, which is a legal penal uh, system where it's like, if you do this, this punishment will happen. I'm going to throw the book at you. Your name is in the book of hell and you'll be casted into eternal flame, right? And we take that out because that's not what God was actually telling us. This is what the church has created. This is what institutions create. Yes. What God is concerned with is if you look at someone like Christ, Christ is like the lifeboat. We're on a sinking ship. As much as people like to think, you know, the world's great and all, you know, like yeah. I don't want to be a super, you know, um, pessimist about right. anything, but the truth is that there is deterioration, right? People keep talking about evolution. Evolution is not happening. We're actually devolving when you look at what's happening on the cellular level. So Christ has, has essentially come as a lifeboat and gone. The, six, uh, the, the ship's sinking. Whoever wants to jump on, jump on. Let's do this. Mm. But he can't force everybody on. You've got to make that decision for yeah. yourself. And God takes an approach where if somebody had cancer, You let's say you go to a doctor and the doctor's like, we need to cut this out. It's going to hurt. It's going to be really uncomfortable. Right. You're going to be scared about it. You might even want to reject it and try and find other ways to do it. But ultimately, if that cancer starts to spread, what choice do you have? Right. Right? You either leave it and, and die from it or you go and try what you can to be able to get it out. And God is like that. He is like the physician removing the cancer. And it's uncomfortable at times, really uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. And uh, and it, it sucks because the religion has come in and, yeah. and basically made everybody terrible uh, because they're not you know following a way that the institution wants you to follow it. Whereas God is telling us a very different story. And we know this through Christ because if you study even the character of Christ, he represents truth. He represents love and he represents liberty. Mm. You know, you don't see people when they're really angry and frustrated about something, they say like, damn you, Buddha, or damn you. Yeah. They don't say it. They say, damn you, God, you right. know, or, or Jesus Christ. You know, right. they use these words. Yes. Deep down inside, we know there's an authority there. We know there's something to it. It's just that religion can be a stumbling block. It gets in the way of us connecting with the greater narrative of what's unfolding. Like, you look at the word history stands for his story. It's unfolding. Whether we like it or not, we're part of it. 
Wow. And we're literally in a, in a courtroom right now, and we are the jury. Yeah. We're witnessing what it's like to be in, in this human experience in a world where there is darkness, where there's evil, there's also good, and there's good because there is God. Mm-hmm. But we all have a choice. And God doesn't act in ways where it's forceful. He stands in power. Yeah. And we get to choose when we're ready to go in and receive that power. And, and my thing is, like, just make sure you're not choosing too late, right? Like, yeah. come into it now. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yes, man has created institutions around this to try and mislead you to bring you into their power right. and greed, but that's not what this is about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like there's people listening, watching this right now that maybe they've felt jaded because of institutions. I mean, I know me growing up, you know, in the Catholic church when I was a young girl. I, I, I didn't like it at all. I, yeah. I remember, you know, specifically I wanted to bring friends from my school to like a, a church thing and they couldn't come because they were not Catholic yeah. now. And I know not everyone operates that way, but I remember just feeling like, what is this? And I, it wasn't until I went to a non-denominational camp, like a church yeah. camp. Yeah. And that's when I was in sixth grade and I was like, mm. oh, wow, you can just like have a relationship and just talk and I don't feel bad all the time because I think there's a tremendous amount of shame that comes around like Mm -hmm. religion, you know, and it's different. Can you you elaborate how it's different? I mean, all you need to do is, is look at, uh, look at the book of John, right? Like look at that moment where this is a perfect example. Let's just do this. You have the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to trip Jesus up. They're like, we're going to throw this guy under the bus. We're going to trip him up on his own thing. He says he's the, the, the son of man. He says he's, you know, he is God in the flesh. So they brought this adulterous woman and dragged her before him. Right. So he's standing there and they say to, to Christ, what will you do with this woman? And so Christ turns to him and he says, those without sin cast the first stone. Remember he says that, right? Mm -hmm. So he's putting the ball back in their court. Mm -hmm. He didn't just do that. He got down on the ground and he started writing in the sand. This is the only account of of him actually writing something, but it was in the sand, which was temporary. And, you know, like when you look at this in our theological studies, there's a lot, it's up for debate, but what it weighed in on is that he was writing their sins in the sand right in front of them. And each one of them looked at that and knew None of them were without sin. The only one that right. was, was Christ. And he decided to say to her, I forgive you uh-huh. and I love you. Go now and sin no more. But he says, go now and sin no more because he doesn't want this woman to live with the infection, the violation of her purpose because she can do better. Mm-hmm. She can live in higher potential. She can transcend the, the shame, the guilt, the anger, the apathy, the fear, the sadness, the loneliness, all of those things that were probably inflicted upon her when she was in childhood. Maybe she had a physical abuse or sexual abuse. And this is where we, as the body of Christ, get to look beyond religion and look at it like, can I have enough compassion for a woman like that that may have been sexually abused as a child? Yeah. Because Christ saw that. It's the same as when he was dragging his cross. Mm -hmm. They ripped his beard out, like if you see the passion of Christ. The passion of Christ means the suffering of Christ. The word passion, the, the Latin root word of passion means suffering, to suffer for. What are you willing to suffer for? That was his mission. 
but he's dragging this cross ribcage showing you know he wasn't in some of the movies and that they have like a loincloth yeah. he didn't even wear it he was in complete shame wow they shamed him as much as they could they were spitting on him and swearing at him and he's dragging his cross and he looks to the heavens and he says father forgive them for they do not know mm. and what this means is it means that he understands the ramifications the consequences of what sin, this violation of purpose, is going to do on humanity. And every time people decide to come out of the purpose of what God's originally designed us to do, how much it malfunctions us as human beings. And he looked beyond it. He could see beyond the hate and the anger and everything. He could see the mission and he knew where he was going. You know, like we glorify a lot of these personal development guys. That's like, this is leadership. Yeah. This Why would is, you not follow him and yeah. learn from someone? And even if you don't even want to look at religion, you don't want to look at the Bible, just look at Jesus and go, how do I live in the standards of somebody like that? That's what I believe as well. That's it. It's the ultimate. Yeah. 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 And he knows that we're not perfect. He knows yeah. that. Yeah. But like, this is the thing, because sometimes people will compare it to other people. What about this guru, this Messiah? Every single one of them is six feet under. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and on top of it, I could even ask you the question, would you, could you even imagine yourself like, let's say with your armband that you have here, let's say the, the challenge would be that see how long you can wear the armband on the left. And the armband on the left means that you haven't sinned today, right? Oh. Like no evil thoughts, yeah. no good, you know, all these things, right? <laughs> and, and then and I want you to challenge yourself and go, how many days could I go until I need to put the armband on the other arm and reset and start again? Like, think about it. If you're watching right now, listening right now, I like, know. I mean, you'd be lucky to get through a day, right? Oh, right. <laughs> right. Try 33 and a half years. It can only come from God. It can't come from anything no. else. No human on this planet is, is walking in that perfection and purity. Right. And he knows that too. So he's not judging us and shaming us mm-hmm. for that. He's saying, Hey, if you want to do better, follow me. Yeah. I've got the way I've got the proxy. There's a path yeah. I've created. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the father except through me. It's beautiful. Give me any other example you can. Yeah. You know, and someone, someone said to me, oh, yeah, but there's many parts. I say, the moment when Christ was on his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he was about to be crucified, right? His blood pressure was so high, he was sweating blood. Like, that's, that's how insane it would have been. He was having a human experience. He needed to have a human experience so that he can relate to us. Yeah. And so he's there and he says, Father, please allow me to pass on this bitter cup that I'm about to drink from if there's any other way. And there was no other way. He had to go to the cross, but the cross represents more than just a sacrifice. The cross also shows that when, when Christ says that I love you and I'm willing to die for you, because people say these things all the time in a relationship, I love you. And then like two years later, they're broken yeah. up, you know, but when he actually did what he said he was going to do, he showed that he does truly love us. Mm. And then when he says, I will give you eternal life. How will we believe that unless he resurrected? Mm, that's true. Not only that, he resurrected his friend Lazarus and healed, yeah. you know, other people too, you know. So wow. just the more, like this book comes to life. It's like a book of gold. It's like yeah. there's gold dust on the book. It's, it is. It's, you said it's a leadership book. Yeah. It's an actual living, it's called the living word of God. It, yeah. The more you start to understand these things that I'm, I'm sharing with you and get religion out of the way, the more the verses and the chapters come to life and you start going, oh my mm-hmm. gosh. And then you start relating to other aspects of your life. You start noticing the, the struggle of the human soul yes. and the things that we tussle with, the yes. things that we get to contend with in society, that we don't have a skin problem, we have a sin problem. Yeah. Like we don't have gun issues, we have mental health issues. That comes from the violation of purpose is taking us out of our original design. It all comes back to that as the core. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Have you felt like since you've 
you're living your life out loud. You've obviously transitioned. Have you gotten any slack from outside people? <laughs> I mean, because you run in these big circles, you know, I got to imagine where people like, hey, tone it down. Because sometimes in my walk, I've had, I had someone pull me aside once and they're like, hey, you're a little God heavy. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's funny. I say, well, then don't pull me on your stage. Yeah. Like, because these people need the truth and I'll do it in my own way. Yeah. You know, do you want me to BS them? Like, is that what you want? So I want to know from you, because there's so many people that they want to live out loud. They want to profess, but they're, they tone themselves down. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few things. Um, it depends on the intention, right? Yeah. I had to call myself out. When I first came back to Christ, I was really heavy handed with it. I was like, I get it. This is the truth. And da, 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 and I was ramming it down people's throats. Like I was doing what the religion. Self-righteous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I got to a point where because I can come with the logic all the time, so I got to work it out and connect the dots and understand it from a logical perspective, which a lot of people do, especially in their masculine. They want to go really into the logic of everything. That's only one aspect, right? When I studied, when I studied theology was, we have a few different parts. We get to test belief systems. A lot of people don't actually form the belief system for themselves. They adopt. Mm. What I mean by that is, like, let's say I told you I'm a Christian because my mom and dad went to church and they told me that I'm a Christian because they're Christian. Yeah. It's like, congratulations, you just adopted a belief. Did you choose it? Yeah. Right? In the in the Bible, it says children of God. It doesn't say grandchildren of God, yeah. right? So I've got to choose that for myself. Right. Because God is a God of love, he gives us the opportunity to choose through free will. He doesn't force. And so I look at this and then I had to really challenge myself and and, and look at it like, have other people had the opportunity to be exposed to this? Like, where are they at in their journey? Because if I went around judging people and shaming and speaking up, like everyone should just be there already. Someone could have done that to me eight years ago, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 20 years ago when I was taking drugs. I was out and partying and DJing yeah. and in the music industry and going absolutely wild. And if somebody came to me like that, I don't know, to this day, would I have come in like with the belief that I have now? Maybe not. I'm blessed, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're all going through this journey at different paces. And I always take that into account. Yeah. You know, if I'm asking someone a question, I'm not, and if, or if someone's asking me a question, I'm not answering the question. I'm answering the questioner. Like there's got to be, you got to bridge the head with the heart. You got to consider that there's compassion here because they may not have had the same experience as you. So I started to curve it into compassion as I matured into my understanding and I'm still practicing it. You know, I'm not perfect. I, I can be very convicted like you, you know, you can get really convicted. In we things. can get fiery. And sometimes we're like, <laughs> later on, it's like, oh, maybe I kind of like got a little yeah. bit hot and heavy on that yeah. one. But yeah, there's a way that you can test the belief system. There's a number of things we, we studied. So one is that if I believe in what I believe, then I must test it to see, is this ideology or belief true? So how do we know if it's true? There's a few things. One is, is there empirical evidence? If I trace it back throughout history, the things that it says within the scriptures, for example, when there's like a tomb where Isaiah was, or there was this place in Egypt where this happened, go back to it. Does it actually exist? Or is it just mythical and mystical? Because there are a lot of things out there that are like that, right? right. So that just debunks a lot of belief systems. Then we look at, does it have logical consistency? Mm. So if I tie one thing to another, does it line up and does it actually uh, make sense? Right. And we have different perspectives in the scripture. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Some people go, Oh, it doesn't make sense. Cause it says this here. And it's like, no, that's a perspective that's different. Right. Right. And then on top of it, you have experiential relevance, which like some denominations in Christianity, it's like all experiential. It's like, Oh, you know, all the feelings, yeah. but no actual understanding of right. the logical consistency of empirical evidence. So you have to have all three. But if I came to you and I said, you know, Emily, God is true because, you know, I experience uh, prayers answered and miracles unfold before my eyes. You're like, that's great, Joel, but I haven't experienced yeah. that. So it, it negates it totally that that can be true. Yeah. So you have to have many elements to it to mm-hmm. form it as like a challenged belief. Then on top of it, we want to test with these four markers here. Origin, where did it come from? Meaning, what does it actually mean to believe this? Mm-hmm. Morality, is it moral? Because sometimes some belief systems aren't moral. When you look at them, it's like, man, it's telling people to go kill people if they don't believe in it. Right. Right? And then the last one is destiny. Where do I go with this? Is there an eternity? Is there a salvation plan? Do I come back as a ladybird or a butterfly? Like, you know, am I cool with that? Right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What's, what's going on here? What, what's the narrative that, that we're a part of? Uh, yeah. And I think a lot, most people just adopt beliefs. They don't actually sit down and challenge it and go, how did I come to be? And when you understand you have come to be, you can own it even more. Right. And people feel the frequency. Oh, of they that. do. It's like, oh, that's conviction. Yeah. That's it's the ultimate conviction. And it's yeah. like palpable. Like, yeah. And certainty breeds influence yeah. and then influence multiplies impact. That's the formula. Mm. Certainty influence impact, mm. but it has to be real. Because yeah. truth operates on its own frequency. You can't lie your way Ooh, to that. Yeah. That is a quote. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So what what's going on in your world now? Like, what are you working on? What's your mission? What are you doing here in the U.S.? Um, I mean, what's it like when you're kicking it in Bali? Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. people just think you're just out there, you know, laying by the infinity pool. <laughs> I mean, you could do that. Yeah. It definitely is a place for that. Uh, Bali's like an inspirational playground. There's yeah. so many different burrows to it. You know, you can race quad bikes on the beach. You can go to chill out in the rice fields, work with the farmers and the locals. You can do cafes, restaurants, bars, clubs, hike volcanoes. You can hang out in the jungle. There's like I so many different. Go. Yeah, you must. Okay. You must. Everyone should. Everyone yes. should at least try it once. Okay. Uh, and you know, most people say to me, I'm coming out for a week. I'm like, you're not coming out for a week. That doesn't happen. People stay longer. Yeah. Uh, so it's a nice place to be. Uh, you can find some good inspirational flow, but the heartbeat for me with, you know, personal development with, with everything that we're doing and even in with all bliss and, and the ministry and everything it's out here. It's in America, it's in Canada, it's in Australia, you know, and, uh, I'm pretty open-ended with it. I, I moved out of my villa in Bali and I'm just really just going to wherever the heartbeat is. Yeah. And I miss the event space, you know, for the last two years with this whole pandemic stuff that was going on, it was just a mess. Yeah. Yeah. And I had like 18 gigs lined up, uh, before that we had to cancel everything, you know, when it, when it shut, but actually I was with my friend, Sonia Zabatani, uh-huh. we we're running a retreat in Marrakesh in Morocco. And then everything went into lockdown. We had like 20, 23 people that we had to get out of the country. You know, you talk about leadership. That's leadership training. It's like when you got these, like, these, these mothers that are crying and bawling their eyes out, they're like, you know, how am I going to get back home to my kids? You get to the airport and it, like, there were people grabbing by the shirt and yelling at each other's faces because the news was just pumping out mass right. fear. Yeah. And everyone's freaking out. No one knows like the height of this and the intensity of it. Like, is it really, you know, dangerous? So I get it. But just, I remember standing at the airport, looking around and just going, wow, this is what fear does to the human mind. Mm-hmm. People just act so irrational. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
And then like a couple months later, people could still fly, you know, in certain yeah. parts. It's like, okay, we kind of overreacted a little bit to yeah. this one. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What would you say, you know, cause right now it's like fear, I feel like is coming again because of the, you know, recession, the economy. Hmm. I feel I was with just with Dean Graziosi and we were talking, yeah. we're like, we feel like people are walking around like drunk and I don't mean they're yeah. really drunk, but they, it's like, they forgot that they can choose. They forgot, you know, what you consume is what you become. You know, what do you say to someone hmm. like that, that maybe just feels like life has beaten them up? They're really not sure their next move. You know, I talked to someone just the other day. They're like, my business is falling apart. No one wants to spend money right now. I mean, you've, what I admire about you, so many things, but you, you create, you're a creator. You create things. You create businesses. I mean, you're one of the first people that really did it, you know, crushing the podcast space. What ideas would you give someone? What mindset shifts would you give someone that is in that spot? Yeah, it's going to be very customized uh, because, you know, everyone has different passions and interests, values and so on. But I would say when things feel like they're going out of control, this is what stress is. Stress is fear of loss of control. Mm. So if I'm in a space of stress, I'm in a lower frequency. I'm not in creation. I'm in force. I'm not in power. God created us to be in the upper brackets. Acceptance, understanding, love, joy, peace, right? The, the forgiveness, the optimism. He created us to be that. That's creation. The enemy of our soul wants us down in fear, in anger, in apathy, blame, victimhood. That's force and destruction and stagnation. It's not creation. So we look at like, okay, well, what can I control? Right? Simple exercise, draw a line down the middle of a page. It's so simple, but it's so effective. Can control, can't control. Ooh. And literally spend like 80 to 90% of your time writing down what you can. And then when you can contrast what you can't, you realize I always have a game plan. There's something I can do. Oh. Right? Yeah. But also we can control, these, these are the aspects. We have the physical, the emotional, uh, the uh, mental and the spiritual. And this is a huge battle right now, what's happening. You know, you're looking at like the news and the media pumping out fake news. You know, you see the, the hypocrisy in politics, uh, the division that's being created and stimulated. You see all this. And if I'm not staying in creation, I get sucked into the noise. Straight up. You know, and, yeah. and I'm no good there. I know what it's like to be in that space. You know, I tried it for a little bit and nothing good comes from it. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I, I truly believe that God created us to be in the upper brackets in creation. And it means that we get to choose each and every day where we live emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. I was living in Bali, you know, but... It was a good thing at the time for the two years that I was there because Bali wasn't affected like everywhere else. Mm. And, and I came to the understanding of that as I was coaching more and more people. I coached thousands of people through summits, group coaching and everything that were dealing with the shadow of the pandemic. There was um, physical abuse, sexual abuse, alcoholism, addiction. Everything started to come back in. It was darkness. It was like a, like a shadow that yeah. was coming in. And a lot of people went into this, oh my gosh, I'm out of control. So I spent a lot of time creating order in the chaos like hey let's come back to order mm. what were you actually created to do mm. not what the noise and the enemy of our soul is trying to infiltrate us with don't get sucked into that vacuum because a vacuum has been created and there's selfishness in the human heart we see it all throughout history world war ii world war one we see it in the french revolution you just keep looking back through history over and over again the roman empire whenever there's a vacuum somebody wants to come in and fill it 
And whoever comes in as like a so-called savior is the one that becomes the dictator of the space. And we saw so many political figures stepping in as I'll be the savior. But I get that maybe sometimes their intentions are good, but if there's selfishness in the heart, it always steers away to power and greed. And that's what happened. Like, look at how many of these people made so much money and, and how there's a massive wealth transfer over to the wealthier. And then as we're approaching a recession, which we are, it's coming. We know that, right? You can't keep your head in the sand. I don't mind it. I'm like, cool. I've got my cash to the side. I'm ready to buy the dip. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and, I'm, and I think some of the greatest businesses and ideas is, uh, are like, uh, have been stimulated. There's, this is a massive catalyst for growth and creation. I believe it. That people don't understand. Uh, and it's seasonal. It comes and goes. Mm-hmm. You know, It's just that for some people, maybe around, uh, I don't know your age group. How young are you? I'm 35. 35. Okay. Same age. Yeah. 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 So, you know, we've heard a little bit about recessions, but the younger generation, they're going to get shook because they haven't experienced it. Yeah. So what do we we look at? Do we look at like, oh my gosh, they're ruined for life. Or we look at like, cool, that's going to be a great lesson for them to get to learn. Mm -hmm. We can scream from the mountaintops what to do in this recession, where to invest, where to put our money to the side, what could be a good opportunity. But this is only for ears that desire to hear. And most people's ears are closed because yeah. they're so consumed by this and they're, you know, in their own world, self-absorption. And it's been designed as a system in this way because that's how they can just keep everybody, like you said, drunk to be able to continue to transfer wealth and move it to where they want it. Mm-hmm. Nothing has changed. This is history repeating itself. You know, this is empire yeah. having a go at humanity and, and yeah. humans have always near the top we do it to each other too we can't just blame society we are society right right? uh we we if most of us had the opportunity unless we have god in our heart we're holding ourselves to the highest standards um or at least have a heart for compassion we're wanting to practice that with intention most people are just going to go in and try and capitalize off each other you know this is what's happening in our culture yeah it's just take 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 i need me 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 you said on social media people saying you know just cut people off cut yeah they don't have the love in their hearts. No. You know? Yeah. Pray for love. Ask for love. Yeah. Every day I ask God, I'm like, who can I bless today? Yeah. Who can I bless yeah, today? Yeah. It's just like this attitude. And when you embody it, it's like, I feel yeah. like he shows up in your favor. People show up and then you yeah. live at the highest frequency. Love. Yeah. You know? You become a vessel for yeah. service, you know, yeah. design. And we tell ourselves these lies, like we can't be all that. It's like, I just have to survive with my thing. I can't mm. give more, but yeah. you can yeah. Even if it's a little bit. You can. You know? Even if it's a little bit. Oh, yeah, for sure. Gosh, yeah. this has been fabulous. You're this fabulous. <laughs> I'm just over here yeah, like I, I'm having my, my air notebook, so I'm going to have to yeah. and write all this stuff down. And this is just, it's been uh, so good to my soul yeah. and heart. And I know Thank so you. many others. You're such a gift. Thank you really are. Where can people connect with you? Yeah, uh, so allbliss.com, A-W-E-B-L-I-S-S.com, how to be awesome and live a bliss-filled life. The word bliss, actually, if you look at the definition, is to experience joy in a heavenly state. So the goal is like, let's come back into that alignment, that heavenly alignment, and come back into our original design. That's where we get to play at our highest. So that's what it's about. And then, you know, I am Joel Brown is the handle on Instagram. I am uh, Joel Brown. Just reach out to me. I'll be more than happy to, to answer your questions. You're awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You're great at interviewing too, by the way. Thank you. Awesome.